0: In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
6: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Katnapsack.
5: And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw.
6: And I'm Jennifer Landa. Yay! Hey, all right. Hey. The, the Ewok horns shout out to the heavens. <laughs> <laughs> the gangs are together. Uh, as we announced last week, uh, we are uh, doing a, a little programming changes. We're going to have shows of just news, shows that are just questions, our deep dives, Clone Wars report returning. But most importantly, Joseph, we are joined uh, once again with uh, on this new show by Jennifer Landa.
5: Yeah, we are so very excited for our new news show. Uh, breaking news from a long time ago. Uh, we don't know what we're going to call it yet. Just throwing some things out. But the important thing is we're going to be able to really concentrate on talking about some of our our life and Star Wars adventures at the top of the podcast, like Ken and I have been doing uh, for a while now, and then dive into the latest Star Wars news with Jennifer. Welcome back, Jennifer.
7: Thank you so much for having me, and thank you to all of you who have said such kind words on Twitter and on Instagram. Oh, my gosh, I've been so overwhelmed. I'm like, wow, people people really like me. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so kind.
6: It's always nice to feel that. It's uh, It's great to have you back. Uh, and really, in truth, you, your spirit was always here. you uh, programming your happy beeps jedi beeps the, the entire catalog is here but uh we're so happy that the opportunity exists for uh, jennifer to join on these shows here for the news shows uh we are going to be diving in like joseph said breaking news from a long time ago doesn't it, it, it you know it's not bad that's not bad just don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't hit, your, hit yourself in the face with that one there um we're gonna get to all that here in a second we're gonna remind you that first uh, today's podcast is brought to you by audible get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3. player. a little bit later, as always. we we'll have our Force Center recommends an audio book we think you should try out on us. But as always, that's not all, Joseph.
5: No, we have another offer as well. Inside Editions is a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books and other pop culture books. They are offering 35% off across their website if you use this special link, insideeditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're continuing to recommend the Inside Editions book, The mini book of lightsabers. Jennifer, I don't know if you've seen this, but they're not lying. It is a book of lightsabers. I believe it's alphabetical by the owner of the lightsaber. And it's a little teeny tiny book, like a little Ewok Walkling could be reading the mini book of lightsabers. (laughs)
7: I love it. I want to get it for my girls. I'll use them in their like little dioramas and stuff. It'd be
8: so cute.
5: (laughs) They are just about, it's a pretty big book for Barbie, but around the right size. It's (laughs) like a passion book for Barbie. Anyway, if you're interested, (laughs) you can use this link inside editions.com slash discount slash FC 35.
6: It's a great book. And I had to remove it from my desk here because I have a habit when I record. I just have that nervous. I grab I'm even now playing with my ring. I'll play with a post-it note. And sometimes you'll hear in a recording, I'll, I'll drop something. It's because I'm just kind of fiddling. Uh, the last time we recorded, Joseph, I had that. book. I just kept flipping. I wasn't reading it. I just kept flipping the book. <laughs> I just kept I, I got to put it. So it's on my shelf. I'm seeing it. I can't touch it. <laughs> Far away from grasping hands uh we're uh, gonna get into our uh segment we always talk about uh life adventures star wars star wars adventures and how they intertwine we do want to acknowledge I mean, this is uh as uh you know you could say this almost any day quite frankly the world is big enough and full of so many problems but uh every once in a while uh you know just things really just race to the forefront and affect all of us or on our minds and there's a lot of things recently that are are going on i think last thursday when we we're recording we actually had put out uh, our episodes but you know we had uh uh, the situation in, in, in Texas, uh, going on with uh, just uh, Governor, I don't know, don't get me started, uh, on that guy, but uh, trying to win election through rattling fear and a horrible legislation out there, and that kind of was on everyone's hearts. And then, uh, the situation in the in, in Ukraine where um, uh, Putin in, in, invades that country there, and it's something that's uh, Close to me. Uh, to be clear, no one I know is over there still other than a comedian friend of mine, turns out, was there <laughs> developing a show and had to get out. Uh, but that's where my family is from. And so I've just been, you know, focused on that, looking at that. And Joseph, we just want to acknowledge that that's going on while we record today.
5: Yeah, absolutely. It is. Uh, it, it's been a, a weird several days where just like so much is happening and uh, trying to find that right line between. Uh, a lot of discussion on social media of like we need to still uh, find joy, we need to still uh, communicate with one another, we need to still joke. But then that kind of fine line of like, uh, here's my podcast. <laughs> like yeah. uh, on Thursday, like you said, we released the episode, but but we held off on on promoting it. And yeah, it's this kind of delicate time where you you want to continue with life to you know, use the star Wars analogy to celebrate the light side. Uh, but you also don't want to just ignore the really, uh, dangerous and, uh, upsetting things that are going on. So we want to fully acknowledge them as we plunge into fun, fun star Wars world and, and fun world.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer, I, I know you'd agree. And, uh, you, uh, raising those young Padawans, uh, probably, uh, <laughs> the state of the world can sometimes get you down even more than us.
7: Ah. <sighs> It's just constant, you know, whether it's climate change or um, what's happening now uh, with Ukraine is just it's overwhelming. Um, So, yeah, Mm
8: -hmm. (sighs) Mm -hmm.
7: look into their generation. But I think, unfortunately, we have to move a lot sooner than that, obviously. So, yeah.
6: Yeah, and and, and part of uh, diving into Star Wars is to uh, take those big themes from a galaxy far, far away and apply them to uh, what we all experience in life, big and small. Um, But we also recognize this podcast as a a distraction in a good way, Uh, not a a, a head in the sand type of way, but a distraction. (laughs) Uh, I had it described by a listener, uh, Trey, Trey Thompson, who who writes in every now and then. was like, hey, you don't understand with the state of the world going on, everything. It is uh, is a, a fun routine, a needed routine to put on my headphones to listen to you guys at work for um you know a couple hours and, and and we understand the value of that we're no we're no heroes here we're just doing <laughs> our fun star wars podcast but we appreciate that and we're all in this together is what we're saying but also uh we are going to celebrate star wars the news uh we got a lot of things to, to get to here and our own life adventures uh, i'll start with you joseph because you took one of the most beautiful photos i've ever seen on the internet <laughs> of two martinis in the moonlight <laughs> how was your life adventures
5: uh, you know, sometimes a, a week will happen and we are talking about our life adventures. I'm just like, I, I, I did all my stuff. Uh, some things were happy. Some things, I was writing podcast. I uh, felt happy, felt sad. Uh, this was a bonkers uh, big week uh, for me. Um, and honestly, Star Wars really helped a lot. So big thing is, uh, you know, my wife and I bought a house in Minneapolis where we used to live back in 2008. Uh, we did not buy it out of uh, real estate acumen. <laughs> we bought it because we just, fell in love with that house. And, uh, eventually we realized that we wanted to be somewhere else. Moved to Los Angeles. We weren't able to sell the house. We've been renting it for years. So the time finally came that it's time to sell the house. The renters moved out. The market's good. This is clearly the time. Uh, I almost think about that house, like a relationship that didn't work out. Like, (laughs) you know, back in dating days, like we both really like each other, but it's just, we need to be at different places. It's just like, uh, I love you, but it didn't work out. Uh, so it's been this it was this really weird process to sell it and to not physically be there and you know normally when you sell a house or even move you you go right from the old to the new uh so just long story short it just hit me like a ton of bricks Of just like i absolutely know it is time to let go of that uh but i love that house and it hit me much harder when i just sitting here on a wednesday and just got an email like you don't own that house anymore you can't Mm -hmm. walk in there uh And it was one of those times where uh, the lessons of Star Wars, uh, Star Wars pulls philosophy from lots of other places. So it's not the only place to find these lessons. But uh, since we spend so much time with Star Wars and it's a fun world of aliens and laser swords (laughs) that also contains this philosophy, it really helps for me uh, to think a lot about uh, the idea of, of letting go and that. Uh, sometimes it is just it is totally okay to be sad and still know it's time to let go. Like holding Mm. on to that house wouldn't have done anything. It would have just Mm. uh, we weren't going to move back. More renters would have come in. It would have taken us. It would have been a stressful experience for us. It would have just been clinging to something. And it was this really great Star Wars lesson of like, yeah you the whole attachment thing isn't just about like never care about anything (laughs) it's (laughs) realize when you're maybe being destructive to yourself to hold on to something because you're just afraid of letting go and experiencing that the pain you know and it was really really sad i cried a lot yeah (laughs) uh because it just took me by surprise but then it also felt good to to realize that i could let go and then Mm -hmm. uh yeah and then we we um took a quick weekend trip uh to the beach that which we had already planned and took some pictures of cocktails and that was great too
6: love <laughs> <laughs> no hey, I get it as someone who has cried uh- Every time he's moved out of a house or apartment in L.A. for the last 24 years, even the one I was desperate to get out of, <laughs> I, <laughs> I understand of these uh, eras of your life, these chapters of your life and having access to it and, and the walls could speak. And, and uh, I feel I felt I felt it when I saw your Facebook post about it, I, I feel it now. I understand what you're saying. And, and a powerful lesson of Star Wars. There.
5: Yeah. And it was a lot of, I posted about it on Facebook and people were very kind. It was nice to hear from other people who, who understand it. Uh, and it was, uh, it was great, uh, to find, uh, solace in star Wars. So, uh, I could, I could go on, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I'm going to stop. Cause I want to hear other adventures from you two.
6: I'll go next. Cause mine are a little less. And then uh, Jennifer, this is your first real time uh, you, you share an adventures in a while. We want to hear yours here. Uh, <laughs> um, for me, it was another busy week and, and stay the world again. I, I've, this, this this Ukraine situation is uh, is something of grown up with. My grandmother was from Kiev. My grandfather was Circassian. I've told some of the stories here. And growing up in the 80s, coming of age in the 80s, it was just always easier to say I'm Russian. That's not true. Uh, uh, My dad was born in Graz, Austria, on the way over. My my grandmother was kicked out of the USSR uh, by Stalin's regime after the war, as was my grandfather. They met in a relocation camp. So I've grown up for 46 years now, coming up for 46 years, of hearing my grandfather, who passed away only two years ago, my grandmother last year, hear my grandfather curse the name of Putin and Stalin <laughs> and so <laughs> many I mean, literally, there was a, there's a movie about Stalin. I think stars Robert Duvall. I have, I was going to look it up. It's a, it's a weird kind of almost a TV movie. And my grandfather would watch it on repeat. And when I would just come visit and we'd go get some El Pollo Loco chicken, he'd just sit there and he just would tell me some of the stories of things experienced. So it's just one of those ones that's just, I don't want to say I'm super connected to it. Right. I'm not there. I'm in Burbank. No tanks are on my doorstep here. I want to be clear about that, but I've just, it's, uh, uh it's been fascinating to, to watch that. But also at the same time, uh, Joseph and I are studying the Onderon arc and clone wars that we're going to talk about this week, which makes you, you go, Oh my, Star, <laughs> Star Wars is dealing with some very, um, deep, important things here as they always are. And this, uh, Star Wars as Joseph. You, uh, uh, one so uh, wonderfully said, Star Wars is all about uh, avoiding wars. <laughs> Not just steep insight. That's what's there. That's what's there. Uh, and that's the tension. And so it's been a weird week to study Star Wars while there's something – and again, this stuff plays out everywhere all the time, right? You, you could you could pause at any moment and find some kind of horrible, oppressive uh, 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 thing going on or a, a regime um, doing something bad. But but it's just such on the world stage. So I can't separate the two. It's been that kind of week of um, – of watching it and then trying to concentrate on Star Wars and then Star Wars telling me, no, it's okay to look at the real world because we've been talking about this for decades. Mm.
5: That is really powerful. And yeah, I hear what you're saying about like there there aren't tanks on your doorstep in Burbank, but I think uh, it is powerful that for you, you have a connection to the place. It is a real place to you. It isn't, uh, mm. you know, something from a geology or a geography book, you know, it, yep. it is, it's, and that's the way it should be to all of us. But I think it's important to hear from people like you who have that life history uh, to really see, uh, you know, everywhere in the world is a real place. And for you to have that experience that this is a real place happening to real people.
6: Yeah, I always bet. I mean, my grandmother's sister who who passed away maybe a decade ago or so, uh, she lived in Chernobyl <laughs> all the way through it. Wow. through that time and beyond and my memories of my grandmother sending her food and clothes for for years upon years uh and then having grandparents who always say eat candy eat and I would had to eat every morsel of a <laughs> plate because uh their grocery stores in the 40s during the war had nothing on it and was never gonna have anything on it it's just it's a different perspective and again I'm wonderful life wonderful life um I don't want to falsely connect myself to something uh uh but it uh, it was hard and, but but Star Wars uh um, Again, like, Joseph, you you, you selling a house. Star Wars is there to comfort you and teach you and push you forward. And and uh, Star Wars this week, ah, oddly enough, I mean, the Onderon arc is based on the Soviet-Afghan conflict. <laughs> uh, it, it's really uh, weird to watch it this week, but weird in a good way of uh, let's analyze uh, the bigger issues going on. So anyways, um, that's uh, uh, on the uh, on the on the positive note, I'll say this. I also got a great unexpected Star Wars gift this week. Uh, mm-hmm. my pal, uh, uh, Jason Inman, who, you know, we don't talk all the time, right? I don't see him all the time. Every once in a while, we'll run to an event. He's busy riding, working. And also, I get a text from him and goes, Hey, what's your mailing address? I'm like, well, I know he and his wonderful partner, Ashley, been married for a couple of years. When someone asks for your address, it's usually that, right? Because <laughs> <No, right. laughs> I got something for you. And I went to, I went to my mailbox uh, this week, opened it up and it was a mini, um, Y wing. And listen, I heard a note Aww. said, Hey, I heard of one of your streams that, you know, I know you love the Y wings, but you, you don't have a Y wing. You said, so I got you a Y wing. Uh, and it's a, uh, it's um, a little scale, uh, you know, mini Y wing there, but uh, six inches long. And it was just great to open up and get a gift of the Y wing gift of star Wars from my friend, Jason. So thanks for that, Jason. Um, so anyways, that's my list. Jennifer, take us home with your star Wars adventures.
7: Um, let's see. Well, over the past week, I uh, got to create a post for StarWars.com, some last minute costumes for Celebration. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was a little last minute. So there I was (laughs) (laughs) creating these. I was like, how fast can I make these costumes? This is going to be good for somebody who only has a few days before Celebration to put something together. Um, But the Book of Boba Fett has so many easy costumes to replicate. I really wanted to do drash and scad i really wanted to put on mm-hmm. a trench coat and like do a little spin <laughs> take a <laughs> photograph of I'm, I'm like okay I'll, I'll save that for another time um but i ended up doing a cob vanth cosplay <sighs> and then i did a star wars bound which is really a fun way to, to cosplay which is just taking everyday you know clothes and kind of making it evoke a character and mm-hmm. i did Sai noodles because nice. as you guys know i yeah. love I love that Palwick singer. She is amazing. Uh, and it came together and I, I shot it in Los Angeles out on the street. It was a little awkward uh, to be there being like an influencer in the wild, but not an influencer, <laughs> but people were giving me thumbs up and they, they liked the size noodles dress. So I was like, all right, they have no idea that this is Star Wars related. So that that's pretty a win, I think, with a Star Wars bound. Um Wait a so,
6: minute. Um, how does how does a, a creative person like you, who once did a Star Wars dance in a Grand Central Station on camera, how do you get nervous on the street? I, I, is this just a constant cycle of nervousness and- <laughs>
7: <laughs> I think it's like now my social anxiety is like flared up again since I've been home for the past two years. You know, in my house all the time. Uh, but then I got then I got into it and it was it was fine and uh, it was not a big deal. Um, But yeah, I kind of had to think of it like that. You're right. Like I'm, I'm doing a performance. It's easier if I get into that actor mode. Um, But so that was silly. And then uh, my daughter's friend came over and she's eight and she's like, why do you have a pizza on your wall? And I went, what? And I looked and she was pointing to the, uh, we have a Star Destroyer pizza artwork on our wall. And she doesn't know how much I'm into Star Wars. I don't even know if she knows what Star Wars is. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, that's a pizza because I like pizza. And that's actually a sh- starship <laughs> going on. You know, Star Wars. And she just looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, well, it's meant to be kind of funny. And she just stared at me and didn't laugh.
8: <laughs> ah.
7: <laughs> oh. And my daughter's just like, my mom likes Star Wars a lot. <laughs> ah.
5: Well, I can see if you're being if you're being judged for your pizza star destroyer decor in your own home that it might make yeah. you a little bit nervous when you go out onto the street uh, dressed as size noodles.
7: <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's it. I've become a mom, and I see that my my child whenever I put on these crazy costumes, she'll just be like, "Mom, what are you doing? Uh. <laughs> doing something for Star Wars." <laughs> oh gosh but I do love it so and it it was a wonderful distraction and uh, you know kind of I mean we need art we need forms of escape during difficult times and I can always Mm. rely on Star Wars to provide that much-needed escape and just kind of happy momentary um, you know happiness so
8: Mm. yeah
5: Yeah, absolutely I can't wait to see this article I mean the Cobb Vanth how how distinctive that look is (laughs) But how accessible. Like, I feel like I could go to Target and make a Cobb Vanth.
7: <laughs> I did. You totally can. You, I mean, I, I could have gotten really, like, you know, nerdy. I was like, oh, it's a Swiss dot, you know, shirt. And I'm like, I'm not going to. No, we got to make this easy for everyone, you know. So, and it, Timothy Oliphant, just, I just love him so much as an actor. So it was kind of fun mm. to impersonate him in his swagger. That's <laughs>
6: great. That's great, yeah, I, I, yeah. If I'm going to Target, I don't need what did you call it? A Swiss dot? No, I just need red shirt. Right. <laughs> red. <laughs> red <shirt>. uh,
8: <laughs> That's easy great. Peasy.
6: That's great. Well, you talk about the temporary joy of Star Wars. It's a it's a temporary lifetime uh, mm-hmm. supply of uh, joy there. Well that's great stuff. We've uh, we've adventured. We've lifed. and now we are going to look at Star Wars news. We're going to start with actually I'm going to start with a confession Joseph if I may. Yes, um, please. I got I've uh, been going back on Acast and having to drop uh, like uh, mid-roll commercial breaks into all of our old episodes. It's a long process. Almost done. I've a couple couple uh, years left, but got most of them <laughs> oh done. I have to go back in the older episodes before we took breaks and find good spots which means I have to listen to pretty much every podcast. I've been listening to old episodes and the way Jennifer ran the news, I just, I feel intimidated running the news now in front of Jennifer. (laughs) It's just good memories of good times, but uh, we're going to start with a light spoiler warning for this first um, uh, article. news story only because there's nothing that is actually spoiler in it, but the speculation and just the fact that it's out there could lead you to, to maybe feel spoiled for Kenobi or any upcoming series. So we're going to give that light warning. If you're that type of fan who wants to know, absolutely nothing we always respect that and we give you that chance to duck out now here for this first story but for those that have stuck around ian McDarmon talks the potential for more palpatine i'm adding the exclamation point uh this uh, reading from our friends at star wars newsnet uh, but taking a story uh covering a story from uh, metro which is i read the actual article it's like almost like the old tv guide interviews it's just like a panel on stage. <laughs> like gossip around town here's here's the hot or not who wore it better all those kind of things uh, well, the almost- answer would be hot if it is uh, in the <laughs> right. yeah um the emperor himself ian mcdarmid was talking with metro the actor said that uh Palpatine is dead, dead, dead after the events of episode nine. Those are my words and his point of view. He had a great statement about uh his ungrateful granddaughter uh ending things for him. But he added that it's possible that, as he said, Vador's mentor uh might be discovered once again, sulkied in the shadows. Now, this, of course, confirms nothing. It's just an actor we love answering a question asked, um, but with Kenobi. Andor, Lando, and of course more stories on the way. It's not unreasonable to wonder about the further adventures of Sheev. So I want to go to you both here with gut reaction. Jennifer, <laughs> do we like the idea of him popping up anywhere at this point in the Star Wars story?
7: I like it. You know, I've, I've warmed up to the idea of cameos and quick appearances. I just think it adds it adds to the story. It adds to the continuity. Um, You know, of course, I, I at least hope that he's mentioned in Kenobi, right? Like, I mean, so if he just, if, whether it's a flashback or I don't know, I don't mind him lurking in the shadows. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing.
6: Yeah, it's good to have the evil lurking in the shadows, right? That's e- evil that's driving anywhere, meaning for the, sto- for the sake of the story. Uh, Joseph, I, I want to almost ask you know specifically <laughs> about Kenobi for you, and you and I spent a lot of time talking about Palpatine, how we love to hate him, and that's key to the story. Your gut reaction to what McDiarmid's saying here?
5: Yeah, no, I'm I'm thrilled by it. I love this little Metro article that is mostly about his theater career. He's such a yeah. a, a, a grand old person of the theater. Uh, if I can actually just read the, his quote because it's so funny. Yeah. It, I think I have to accept that thanks to my ungrateful granddaughter, my <laughs> my annihilation was finally final. Uh, of course, Vader is back in the new television series, so I suppose it's not impossible that one day his mentor might be discovered again, skulking in the shadows. Uh, it's it's just uh, <laughs> it's uh, such great uh, flavor and perspective from Ian McDermott. But I, I also do think like, that the skulking in the shadows there's some truth there, and yeah. I agree with what Jennifer is saying: is sometimes these shows are 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 telling a narrative in which you're like, well, wouldn't it make sense for Vader to just get a hollow call from Emperor? But then you have this sort of like, but that's not the way it's done, you know. Massively important characters can't just cameo for thirty seconds, and I like that we're living in a world where if the actor's up for it, they can, yeah. uh, because it really
6: makes sense for them to be there. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, the, the the you know, Kenobi and Andor specifically. Uh, we don't really know much more about the Lando show idea, obviously, um, but the the, the Kenobi Andor thing, uh, like, he, yeah, he's in charge. <laughs> He's the boss. He's handling something, having to launch your paperwork. He's going to hear something eventually. Uh, So just in that way alone, my gut reaction is uh, I love this idea, but I I love it more for Andor than Kenobi, Um, Mm. meaning there's something about uh, what's going on with Vader and has been going on that, I don't know, I could see him uh, agreeing to talk to Kenobi or going to confront Kenobi and not wanting his mentor, his boss, his old pal, Sheev, to know anything about it um she might find out might feel it i love that kind of thing too that that weird kind of um long term war going on between palpatine and vader that uh culminates in return of the jedi I, I just like the idea of vader trying to hide that whereas in andor their spy i almost want a scene of a spy in palpatine's office <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> trying to get around it you know yeah yeah i mean I think for me, when you think
5: about what kind of role could he play in these these upcoming shows? Right. Um, I think in Andor, it's it's interesting to me to think of like, could that could he be a focus in terms of how other Imperials feel about him? Because Andor is, you know, trying to uh, to turn people or, you know, get them uh, get information from them. And so my mind goes to. Is there room for a story of, you know, an Imperial kind of realizing the truth of who and what Old Sheaf Palpatine is? That's a story we haven't seen on screen a lot of like, well, the, the Empire is the legitimate government and it keeps all the ships running on time. He's an evil wizard. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> that story is really fascinating to me. And then, um, I have Kenobi thoughts, but Ken, let, let me know when you want me to, uh, to go full Kenobi. Uh, when I want oh, to uh, restrain yeah. myself.
6: Well, I'll, I'll kick it back <laughs> to Jennifer here in a, in a bit. uh, we, we um, Andor, you, how excited are you for Andor? And does Palpatine fit into your uh, excitement for that show, if you have it?
7: Yeah, I guess I had never really thought about it. You know, I've... I'm so focused on Kenobi that andor I'm like, oh my gosh, we are we are getting so many Star Wars stories. But I think narratively it fits well. Selfishly, I really want to see Ian McDermott back. Mm-hmm. And just when he is on screen, I, I want them to the, you know, if it's just one scene, just give him all this these delicious lines that he can just you know deliver so well. I mean, everything he says, even if it's just like one word, he just or two words, do it. It's all <laughs> so memorable and iconic. So if he does make an appearance, I I can't wait. Um, and now that you say Andor, yeah, I mean, it absolutely fits. Maybe more than Kenobi. I don't
6: know. Maybe, maybe uh, yeah on the on the surface. But Joseph, yeah, it is time to to kick it back to you for a segment we like to call <laughs> Kenobi Talk with uh, Scrimshaw. uh What was the thematic value of uh, the Architect of Evil showing up in even small role or cameo in Kenobi and or mean to you? And uh, yes, let's focus on Kenobi.
5: Yeah, I think for Kenobi, I, I feel like. A chunk of the show has to be the battle for Anakin slash uh, Vader's soul, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still think, you know, a rematch of the century is there's there's going to be an amazing lightsaber force fight. But I think it is about Kenobi facing uh, that he didn't destroy Vader or save Anakin. And, you know, getting to see uh, Obi-Wan uh, thinking as, as Luke did in Return of the Jedi, trying to get through to him. If that is on the table and it is about a uh, uh, Vader's soul, then Kenobi is the angel on one shoulder. Palpatine is the devil on the other, like right. uh, in the loss of Anakin, Anakin obviously makes his own choices, but a big part of that story is him kind of flailing around, looking for guidance from a parental figure. He wants Kenobi to be like a father figure and, Kenobi always kind of reframes it as a teacher, a brother and Palpatine slides in and pretends to be the loving, supportive father figure who, you know, tells Anakin everything he wants to hear. So I right. feel like that is he's the other side of Kenobi if you're looking at it from Vader's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so there. that's one thought. And then the other thought that I really like is I don't know how much they would spend time exploring this, but I think Palpatine fears the hell out of Kenobi. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that, that line in Revenge of the Sith, I believe that he is not, uh, being, uh, melodramatic. I mean, he is because he's, uh, Palpatine. But when he says the Jedi are relentless, mm-hmm. there's so much fear. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> I won for five seconds, but I always got to be looking over my back. You know, the entire sequel trilogy is like, if Luke Skywalker speaks to another person, a thousand Jedi will emerge. We have to get him. Like he is afraid of Jedi. Mm-hmm. Kenobi is an unbreakable Jedi. I don't, I think Palpatine knows I couldn't, give me a thousand years and i couldn't break kenobi yeah he's an unbreakable jedi and one of the few people who could still get through to vader mm. uh, I mean, uh, a scene that i would love is if inquisitors just happen to get a hint of kenobi being alive and that's kind of what kicks off the story a scene of inquisitors telling palpatine that kenobi might be alive and palpatine just kind of yep. <laughs> losing it <laughs> like no no uh, <laughs> so great
6: Uh, I I love what you're saying here and and his relationship with Kenobi. uh, I had mentioned recently some of the Star Wars archives comments from Lucas himself to Paul Duncan that uh, the the Darth Talon stuff came out of that, that, those news articles. But in that article, it's this idea of Palpatine being pretty upset that Kenobi damaged the toy he just bought. Like, he yeah. got this bad version of the toy has been coveting the whole time, this broken-in-half Vader that he's, you know, reconstructed to the best of his ability, but kind of sets uh, Palpatine on this course of maybe also seeking out other options, too, along the way. Hey, look, he's got an offspring. Hey, that's a that's a better option. Off- so you're right. that There's a built-in, not rivalry like it's a sports contest, but I love uh, a fear that Nag's at Palpatine. So you're right to my earlier statement of Vader trying to keep it secret. Maybe that's part of the tension. Vader is trying and Palpatine starting to send something. And maybe that creates a tension with the devil on his shoulder. I don't know um, where to take it from there because I'm not a talented writer like that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i all on the table here. Uh, Jen, anything jumping out here that uh, that you like about these scenarios?
7: Well, now I'm all on board with Joseph's Kenobi pitch. I think that that's great. And I think it's, it's the moment that the, the Book of Boba Fett for me, it, what I enjoyed so much about it was it brought back these characters and these aliens and all, all these things that that we want to see. And so it's like fan service at his, at its best because it works for the story and it works for us fans who want to see those things. And so I think seeing Palpatine and Vader and Kenobi, it just would be wonderful fan service, but also I'm sure that it would work beautifully for the story. So
8: mm-hmm.
6: I
7: am on board with that now.
6: How do you feel, Jen? There's been this conversation for the last year or so. Uh, Bad Batch kind of seemed to intensify it, Boba Fett to uh, do that, even, even Mando season two of other characters that we know. Hey, look at the screen. That's that person we know showing up in other stories. And it could distract or it could be uh, a trick that people don't like. And maybe people like Joseph and I are analyzing each appearance case by case and seeing what it impacts, how it impacts the story, or impacts the main characters uh just on the surface of good old palpy shows up again, does that take away or add your overall enjoyment of Star Wars when you see someone you know?
7: I think for me it adds because we know the characters' histories, their relationships with with these characters um it, for me it enriches mm. And I think for like the casual fan, I think it can also be like, hey I know that guy. I've seen him before. I know he's really bad, you know mm-hmm. um and I think that this new era of Star Wars is so good at playing on those levels where it's like, it can appeal to somebody who's brand new to star Wars and it can appeal to us who like to dive deeper and who will go back to this episode of the clone wars, blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> and I think that's what Dave Floney and, um, and John Favreau and obviously Kathy Kennedy and the whole, the whole crew that they're, they're doing so well is connecting these threads mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. g- giving us more things to, to dive into. So I, I really appreciate it.
6: Well, so if he shows back up, Jed, you've got a built-in article of how to dress like Palpatine <laughs> with a bathrobe from Target.
7: Star Wars bound his Palpatine.
5: <laughs> First, buy a bathrobe, then go into a local <laughs> forest, uh, find a wizened tree branch and paint it black. That's your cane.
6: <laughs> uh, There's
7: I, something I, there. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to lie
6: yeah absolutely yeah and i guess a question back to you joseph and and i never want to contain your kenobi thoughts. to go anywhere you you want to go with this idea Uh, we're not suggesting all the palpatine would or should be uh, a a big bad in any way in in the kenobi series but kenobi vader uh, a rematch of the centuries all those things have been sold uh, it it does make sense in a lot of ways uh would just pulling back a little bit from the outside looking in would, would would it distract would you worry that it would distract probably not you you and i jen we we know palpatine's back we're going to put on that robe we just bought at target based on jen's article and enjoy the over melodramatic evilness that's on the screen but uh would you be worried about that conversation
5: no myself no i i think for the most part the uh the other characters popping up have either been like cameos out of just like fun and love of the directors that are like on record like gareth roberts saying like here's dr everson and punta baba because i love them and they don't matter to the story they're a blip Mm-hmm. And every other character that has popped up has mattered to the story. And I think with Palpatine in the Kenobi series in particular, this already isn't like, hey, we're doing brand new characters you've never heard of. It's Kenobi and Vader <laughs> <laughs> right. during the height of the Empire mm-hmm. in just in that Kenobi sizzle reel. There are already two pieces of concept art where I'm like, well, Palpatine really maybe should be in that. Like Vader's taking that that phone call that zoom call that looks really upsetting. Like he's like annoyed. He had to put on his limbs and get out of the tank for this call. Like (laughs) that, that concept art begs for an appearance of Palpatine. There's that one piece of concept art that to me looks like it might be the former Jedi temple turned into the Imperial palace. Mm -hmm. It would be amazing to just see a shot of Palpatine sitting in what used to be, uh, you know, the, the Jedi, the main Jedi meeting room. Right. Um, So for me, I think with something like this particular show with Kenobi, uh, I actually, if I had to guess, don't think there's going to be like a big substantive uh, um, scene. I think there's a lot of of interesting ideas that I get excited about. But I think a a call with Vader, a hollow call with Vader, I think is really a a good bet and -hmm. makes a ton of
6: sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, all right. We're going to end this story doing exactly opposite of what our t-shirt preaches we're going to speculate irresponsible uh Joseph, you, you kind of put some chips on the table there uh, I, i'm just gonna ask jen palpatine and kenobi yay or nay right or wrong lose the bet <laughs> if it's wrong what do you think what do you think do you, beyond what you want what do you actually think
7: yay yeah yeah i think they're doing it i mean why not right yeah he's there he's on board in mcdermott yeah get him on the call that's zoom call <laughs>
6: Why not? As uh, as Joseph uh, has led the discussion around here, is one of the more driving um, questions for creators in Star <laughs> Wars, right? Why not? Why not? Yeah, let's uh, do it. I am. Uh, I am going yay only because not not because I think McDermott let it slip or is having. I mean, he he'd be doing this all the time, but uh, I don't think this was intentional. Like Lucasfilm said, go out and do this interview about your theater career, and then sneak in. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, as the gathering storms of evil start swirling around Kenobi, this makes sense. I'm going, uh, yay. Joseph, uh, do you want to solidify your bet here?
5: Yeah, I'm a hard yay. I, I think that uh, this is a wonderful cheeky quote uh, from Ian McDermott and absolutely could mean mean nothing, but because it makes so much sense to the story of Kenobi and the possibility that it's, yeah, it's, it's not he's the third lead and he's been in L.A. for you know, six months yeah, and we didn't yeah. know. Yeah. I think it's the fact that like basically like, hey, yeah, self-film yeah. <laughs> yourself and we'll add it to a hollow call. I think there's a good possibility that this has already happened. that he's filmed it, that it's in the can.
6: I like that. I also like the idea that maybe there's nothing more than like an oil painting of him on a wall.
5: (laughs) (laughs) What if he just recorded like a commercial? Like it's just, we're on Coruscant and he's just like, remember to love the empire. Yeah.
6: (laughs) Good. Well, let you know one of the things in going back and listening to old, old episodes, I've had a chance to see a lot of our, uh, you know, speculations uh, in the past. And some of them have been, really remarkably close yeah. and others, you know, wildly off, which uh, is how it works, which is why we don't play that game. We just have fun talking about themes, but fun to wonder and fun to put down some uh, figurative bets on the uh, Canto Bight table of star Wars speculation. <laughs> All right. Next story here. Mando, the Mandalorian is getting a comic adaptation, a new eight series, eight issue series is coming from Marvel. This is an episode by episode. Adaptation of season one of The Mandalorian. Rodney Barnes wrote it with art from Georges Janti. Jinti. Ah, uh, can you said that all wrong. The series starts in June. June. Uh, a couple years after season one of Mandalorian. So, uh, you know, other than the art of books, which are wonderful, we have the second one. We're going to take a dive into that. Additional Mando materials really yet to emerge, including those projects that have been previously announced, like the book, the, the novelizations, all that kind of stuff. Um, so what do we like about this comic coming out now, Joseph?
5: Yeah, I think it is a couple of things I love about it. The first season of Mandalorian in particular really had that energy of uh, people who grew up with the original trilogy uh, playing with their action figures. Uh, that is something that we've talked about a lot. That's something that uh, Favreau has explicitly said. Like, what if you had yeah. just a bunch of the uh, the kind of side action figures and you had one Boba Fett and then you made a whole story out of that? And that's yeah. the first Disney Plus show. There's so that spirit of The experience of growing up with Star Wars in that original trilogy era, of course, it is open to everybody. I don't think there's anything, uh, you know, gated off about it. But coming from that generation myself, the comic adaptations of the films were such a big deal Mm. uh, because they were one of the ways to access the story when you couldn't when I didn't have it on any sort of home video. So I think anything in Mando that kind of connects to that energy of what it was like to grow up then it's I love having the retro figures of the Mandalorian characters things like that uh so I'm really excited to have a comic book adaptation because it feels like it's the spirit that the Mandalorian emerged from
6: yeah really yeah that's a good thought about that there Jen uh you getting these comics what do you think about them coming out what do you what do you what do you think
7: I am so excited to see Grogu in comic book form. <laughs> I just—I mean—I've been wanting more Mandalorian stuff, so this is this is really exciting. Um, and George's—and forgive me for mispronunciation—George's GNT's his artwork style. Um, if you go to his Instagram, you can see it's really detailed. Um, and I—I'm excited to see his take. On, on this story and I'm already getting ideas for how I'm going <laughs> to copy those pages hmm. and I'm going to use them for decoupage and I'm going to create frames. I'm going to create <laughs> all sorts of, you know, vases, whatever, because I just know it's going to be beautiful. Oh, I can't yep. wait.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And I probably, usually I try to look up, make sure I can get some pronunciations, uh, a little uh, pronunciations and pronunciations uh, a little uh, <laughs> better. I can't, I've always struggled to say the word. It's been one of the great ironies of my life. Um, yeah, I ran a little uh, late on notes this morning. So um apologize. No worries. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I uh, I love what you're saying, Joseph, too, about the, the, the books of the past. And and like I even have the Air of the Empire ones. And mm. I mm. have not read them since I bought them, which is weird to say. Uh, I have a weird relationship with that book series where I love it because it brought Star Wars back. But over the years, it's become less and less a story that I I like. And and, and, mm-hmm. and I have the comics because I want to go. I want to go take some time and look and revisit it from this point of view and see what each frame does to the story, slowing down in a way the story. And Mandalorian season one, I, w- I won't say it doesn't move at a breakneck pace right but it like it it, it, it it it's a little it's that tone poem thing we always talk about it, it, it's offering a lot up and i think if you can even slow those tone poems down a little bit more mm-hmm. i think i'll learn more from the series so i'm excited uh and i guess i want to kick it back to you jennifer too you say you want this you want more mando content mm-hmm. uh, what do you hope to learn from this particular retelling other than more wonderful Grogu art
7: I think what I like about the comics is that they can sometimes give insight into what the character is thinking. Um and and so I appreciate that uh especially with Mando and you know when he first discovers the child to get like his inner inner thoughts. And I know that they can't go too far with it you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. they i mean we're going to be scouring the story for any new nuggets Uh, we're not going to learn anything new about like the Grogu yoda gattle species or anything like that but i there could be some little you know kernels of of insight um and i think that that makes it fun but at the same time obviously they have to be careful with with uh was presented in the show. Yeah, canon but, and all that.
5: Yeah. I think they're not going to go, uh, you know, crazy with going into Din's head, but even mm-hmm. something as simple in the visual storytelling of, you know, his relationship with Omera, right? Like a mm. panel where he looks more broken up about the choice. leave her right like just a a visual adaptation choice that gives you the opportunity to see it a moment from a slightly different perspective or dive Mm -hmm. into a specific emotional beat and like because you can just stop and stare at it or make a vase out of it yeah you you can really celebrate a specific emotional moment that is frozen on the page
6: Mm. exactly yeah yeah how Joseph, I'll start with you. Jennifer kind of touched upon it. You're like, how much would you want from Grogu's point of view? I I wouldn't expect that too much. And I think there's some mystery they need to keep there. But I don't know. Just seeing a little things from his eyes, even just from a panel looking out. I don't know. Do you how much do you want uh, from Grogu? I kind
5: of want that. I think that's the biggest challenge of this comic book adaptation is. As far as live-action storytelling goes, mm. The Mandalorian is already very much like a modern comic book. There's a lot mm-hmm. of action. The dialogue is sparse. Uh, the important, um, like, some of the most Im- um, important emotional beats mm. are visual, right? I mean, you can yeah. almost imagine the comic book panels of Din looking at that little silver ball and making the choice to go back, and it's just told visually. Mm. You go along with that, that so much of uh, the power of Mandalorian is the visual storytelling, not just on the screen, but in the fact that it ends with artwork. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So many of the moments when I was picturing, like, what do I want to see? And it's was like, um, do I want to see them just recreate all the concept art that we know? I started listing images that like, yeah. we know they're iconic because they're the concept art that's at the end of the episode that are in the wonderful art of books. That's the yeah. biggest thing for me is how much are they just going to try to have it be, uh, this visual delight, But try to have it be literally from different perspectives than some of the famous images we know.
8: Hmm. Yeah,
6: yeah, that's interesting, Jen. You, you intrigued by this here? You're, you're a Grogu expert here. Yeah, I'm I'm,
7: (laughs) (laughs) my Grogu expert. I mean, yeah, I think that they they have to to make it, you know, not just a collector's thing, but make people talk about it and to hey, you see, we we get to know a little bit about what Grogu is thinking when he wants to, you know, save dinjarin mm-hmm. what is it the mudhorn mud or whatever um i think that that could that could be really interesting and it's what i like i said it's what i look to in the comics to get those little little moments inside the character's thoughts inside the the toddler thoughts of grogu <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think he was probably closer to like 18 months in uh the first season of the Mandalorian
5: yeah. you're getting me really excited for like the comic book version of Grogu cam where we're like just seeing things like his little hand sticking out and then you see the mudhorn uh, floating from from Grogu's perspective uh-huh.
7: right you know that's gonna be there I love it I've already I'm getting excited it's, it's thrilling
6: <laughs> love that love it. well uh yeah I think we're uh, collectively excited for this uh and and uh yeah again great value a lot of fun I, I all the all the uh, uh, adaptations they've done for the comics. I, I, that's why I was bummed they didn't do the Rise of Skywalker one, uh, which they pulled off. And I think Jody Houser was putting that together. and, and, and oh, uh, yeah. And having not to do, it is, they're fun. The Last Jedi one, the Rogue One comics, they're, they're real fun. And and it's fun to look at a, a story you know and know so well from a different point of view. So we'll uh, take a look when those come out again in June. All right. We are going to take a quick break. Before we do, though, we're going to recommend an audiobook for you. Joseph, what do we got today?
5: We are recommending Midnight Horizon by Daniel Jose Older. We'll be discussing it uh, very soon. It is a great High Republic adventure. It's the one that I was reading uh, when uh, I found out that my house had indeed (laughs) been sold. (laughs) It's a very emotional book. It's good for lots of things, so I highly recommend it.
6: To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrials.com slash 4Center. Again, that's audibletrials.com slash 4Center for your free audio book. All right, we're going to take a break but not get to your questions. We've got some more news and a new segment on the way here. This is force
0: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
6: Welcome back to Force Center, the big show. One of the main shows, part of the Superstar Destroyer fleet. We're always sitting on here, and uh, you know some other uh, light side ships as well. Let's be clear, Superstarter Destroyer just float out. From my tongue one day and it never left From my mouth, from my mouth, from my tongue my Alright kids, stop being weird Here we go, we got our final story of the day I just wrote my notes Attack of the Clones And I forgot to write the rest of the title That's all you need so Jennifer
5: knew what I was talking about Breaking, breaking, 20 year old film Breaking
6: but that's the thing. 20 years old. The film is this year and Star Wars.com announced that Star Wars Insider, the great magazine still going strong, uh, is uh, part of a GASP 20th anniversary celebration of Attack of the Clones. To celebrate this, Star Wars Insider will be giving us Galactic Tales for original stories starting with issue 20 on March 15th. S.T. Bende will give us a story about Zam Wessel and Django Fett and their kind of relationship, uh, their working relationship and, and and the situation leading up to the beginning of Attack of the Clones. Richard Dinnick tries to paint a complete picture of General Grievous in his story about the cyborg villain hunting for a Jedi artifact. Of course, General Grievous didn't show up in Attack of the Clones unless you read the novel where he kind of uh, emerged in the catacombs down below. So uh, interesting stuff there. George Mann has a tale about Dexter. Jetster helping a friend in need. This is now <laughs> my most anticipated Star Wars material coming down the line. Roddy Barnes, uh, who also worked on that Mando comic, uh, wrote a story about Mace Window and a clone trooper squad hunting down a deadly enemy. Now, all four authors had similar statements about falling over Star Wars during the prequel era, and that era provides a wealth of storytelling opportunities. So, first, I'll go back to y'all here. Jennifer, those four stories, uh, you like this idea? What's jumping out to you? What do you think here?
7: I. I'm excited. I can't believe it's 20 years. That just makes mm. me. Oh my gosh. Like five. <laughs> but I digress. Um, I'm really interested in the, the Zam Wessel Django Fett story just because how we know how it ends.
8: <laughs> and
7: so I, there's two ways it could go, and it could either be that we see like, you know, their friendship, their great buddies. And it kind of deepens that aspect of their relationship. So then obviously when we know how it ends, it's like, oh, it's all the more tragic. Or maybe they have more of like a tense relationship. Mm. And so then when we see the end, it's like, oh, well, that's to be expected. Um, So, yeah, I'm curious to see how they how they approach it. Uh, It'll be it'll be fun and just make uh, Attack of the Clones that much more that much more exciting to watch.
6: Yeah, love that. I love that there, Joseph. Joseph, uh, <laughs> the Dexter Jester <laughs> excitement's growing. <laughs> oh,
5: I'm, I am very. That's probably the one that I am the most excited about. But I'm just excited to see uh, the beginnings of some celebration of the 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand the the celebrations for Phantom Menace being really big because that was such a seminal film. That, you know, yeah. the hype for Phantom Menace was like unlike anything else. So now we're gonna have these uh, rolling 20 year anniversaries. So I'm really excited to see. Uh, some stuff come up for Attack of the Clones. I hope there's more. I hope Star Wars Celebration uh, has a lot of celebrating of Attack of the Clones for these particular stories. Yeah, I'm I'm with Jennifer. I'm very intrigued by Zam Wessel and Django Fett. I know a lot of people are big fans of Zam Wessel and always want more content. I've always loved Django. I'm even more intrigued with Django now that I can relate it back to everything that we've learned about Boba Fett, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, To really be thinking about what kind of values is Django teaching Boba? What kind of values is he demonstrating them? (laughs) You know, and if you can take a story like this and do you see... Uh, you know, uh, the the uh, poetry with uh Boba's good relationship with Fennec, with maybe Django's not great ultimately relationship with Zam, things like that. Um, Mm. Mm. I'm very intrigued with the Grievous thing. Uh, I'm sorry, Ken, were you were going to say something?
6: No, no, some of the Zam. There's something about what her uh, her statement. Then it's just a job. Right before she's dead, like making that a tragedy if someone who was just a bounty hunter taking a job and is now dead for it. And, and mm-hmm. how that maybe ties in, not directly necessarily, but thematically ties into Boba Fett going just like, you know, we do all these jobs for people who get just killed, including my father who got Sam Wessel killed.
5: Yeah, right. who got her killed by by killing her.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly>. yeah. <laughs>
5: Pretty direct, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Grievous one is also really intriguing to me uh, because I'm curious if it's uh, going to tie into the general era. Or if there's something about this Grievous story that ties directly into the the film, Attack the Clone, since it's part mm-hmm. of this celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, I love the, the Dexter Jester one, the idea that um, uh, the author, uh, George Mann, uh, is talking about he could only dream of the level of details about the Jedi that emerged in the prequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when he w- was growing up with the original trilogy. So that suggests to me that that's Dexter somehow... Helping out Kenobi, helping out another Jedi. I don't know. I just want to see Dexter with the four meat cleavers, one in each hand,
8: <laughs>
5: taking care of business, helping out a Jedi. That sounds so exciting to me.
6: Yeah, I was just so excited to have Dexter get a little uh, more uh, time in the spotlight there. And 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 what? that's Dexter, man, helping a friend in need. You know, that's his theme song. You know, I, I love that. There, we celebrate this weird, wild character and a very important scene thematically in in the prequels and Star Wars overall. Uh, knowledge, wisdom, uh, uh, kind of the statement on what's going on with the Jedi through the eyes of Dexter. It's it's important, it's valuable, but it's also it's just a fun, silly, weird, wild character that not everyone loves. But I love that uh, George Mann does and and wants to explore it. So I'm excited for all of these. Yeah, the Grievous one intrigues me just because. Uh, uh, I've grown to appreciate Grievous more and more over the years about w- just what he represents in the Star Wars story and what he could represent to Anakin if Anakin was uh, paying attention a little bit more to his path forward. Uh, a general statement there, but uh, I-, I love I love Grievous's place in the story, but always – want more, which is what Richard Dennick was trying to he was kind of saying in this interview here in, the, in his little uh, uh, statement there just a complete picture of this character that he's got, he said, yeah, we didn't get a, a lot of Grievous and Revenge of the Sith, which for years was kind of my thought on it there but then the Clone Wars comes along and Oh, okay. I see what I missed myself. Ken missed about Grievous and Revenge of the Sith and his purpose there by by spending more time with the character. So I, I'm I'm very intrigued by what he has planned there. And you're right, Joseph. Does it come directly out of Attack of the Clones? Directly leads into Attack of the Clones, or is it years prior? We'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah,
7: yeah. It makes me also think about his his lair that he's going to take that artifact mm. and take it back to his evil lair with all of his uh, Jedi trophies and yeah. and things like that. That will be interesting yeah. to see.
6: That. Yeah. Yeah, Joseph. His
5: yeah. hatred of his hatred of the Jedi is, you know, the kind of givenness is his primary motivation in mm. in one of the Clone Wars animated show episodes. So, mm-hmm. uh, I would love to see him uh hunting down uh more more Jedi stuff dealing with the Jedi anger. Jody Hauser also wrote that great one-shot yep. uh, oh. where he's trying to destroy a temple and like
6: it's he can't. It, it's oh, it's so great.
7: Oh, mm-hmm. I got to read it.
6: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The the those tales. uh, It's the age of uh, one shot Mm -hmm. comics are are great. And Jody's are some of the best in that series. Indeed. Another reason why I wanted her to take a stab at Rise of Skywalker. (laughs) She she did. Uh, Final thought of this uh, news story here. Uh, We are original trilogy generation. We're the old fogies around these parts here, kids. Um, Here we are, Joseph and Jennifer, 20 years on. And we know here at Force Center, you know, we've we've each come to uh, love and appreciate the prequels in our own way. The journeys are all different, but it's uh, coming from that era, coming from experiencing them at a different age in those theaters. But here is another example of the prequel generation. I don't have the ages of all these authors in front of me, but the (laughs) overriding statement seemed to be, hey, this was kind of an era in which I fell in love with Star Wars. And there's a lot of those grizzled weirdos and cool bounty hunters with stories To tell, which is something we carried out of the original trilogy era into the EU and card games and figures and naming figures and all these kind of things. So what are our thoughts here Uh, now from our vantage point of looking at the prequel generation coming around 20 years later and really getting to explore the era that pulled them into Star Wars, Jennifer?
7: I love it. It's been really it's been really cool to see and hear from fans that grew up with the prequels how much love they have. They have these little you know, whether it's this, a side character or a small moment, it's just like how we feel with the original trilogy. So I feel like, you know, passing the baton and I can just knowingly nod.
8: Yes, yes. This
7: is <laughs> this is what we what we kids of the 80s experienced um in the 70s. So, yeah, it's time. And it's and I'm glad that people are celebrating the prequels and it, it took me a, a long time and thank you, Joseph and Ken for making me a prequel list. Um, and I, I just, I love these, these stories so much. So it feels good seeing that they're getting their due and that people are appreciating them and celebrating as they should.
6: Yeah. And, and to be clear along the way, you know, even some of the EU stuff in the mid two thousands definitely came out of the prequels mm-hmm. and, and, and it's not so new to a lot of the people who loved them, but, uh, I think it's important that here we are at a big anniversary, just like with Phantom Menace, like Joseph mentioned in 2019 at uh, Star Wars celebration, Chicago, they had the big panel there and all the best shows up and everything oh, yeah. to, to, to go back now, 20 years later, that is a big number. And you just put in perspective, you know, that's less time between Phantom Menace return of the Jedi, you know, that I received more time uh, mm-hmm. uh, between those films. So it's, it's a big number. And I just think uh, it's um, it's been valuable to watch this prequel generation get older and be, uh, you know, real steadfast in their love for this era. It's it's inspiring, Joseph. It's mm. inspiring.
5: Yeah, no, I think um, uh, Rodney Barnes, who's writing the Mace Windu and the Clones uh, th- uh, uh, story, said specifically that growing up with the prequel generation, and yeah, we've got to see uh, some other stories over the years in comics and books, in, in Clone Wars animated series of Mace Windu and the Clones, but it's just, it's thrilling for me to hear somebody of a different generation going, you know, Star Wars is this tip of the iceberg storytelling. And, you know, when we we're kids, we learned that uh, Han and the Rebels uh, ran into a bounty hunter on Ord Mantel, and it just fires your imagination, right? Yeah. Mm. And you just go, like, what other adventures they could have? So hearing from somebody that actively grew up with the prequels, you're watching Attack of the Clones, and, and it's like, wait, you're telling me every one of these Jedi then have a bunch of clones and they go around doing things. <laughs> yeah. I want to tell that story. So to hear from somebody who is getting to tell that story is really exciting.
6: And I can't wait about, I don't know, 10 plus years when we get the announcement for the new Disney plus series, Sedan, Athano man about the galaxy. <laughs> and someone's like, ah, I just, you know, he always inspired me. He and Quiggold always inspired me. Now I finally get to tell a story. Yeah. that's I'm looking forward to that. Forward to that. Me too. It can't happen soon enough. All right, that is our look at the Star Wars news. We're almost out of here. But before we do that, we are going to introduce... A a new segment called This Week in Star Wars History. That's probably not going to be the final title of this segment either. That's just a a, a statement of what's coming uh, Mm -hmm. and a title a lot of people have used. But, yes, we are going to look back at the history of this franchise. It's fun for all of us fans to do that and other shows do that and other podcasts. And, uh, hey, we do it in our regular life. So we're going to do it here on the show uh, uh, every week on the new show. We'll uh, end with uh, looking ahead at something in the coming week. Uh, Try to celebrate joyful events, nostalgia, nostalgia. What do you mean 20 years have gone? All those kind of things will happen here. So our first one here, well, it might seem like a little bit of a sad one, but no one has ever really gone. On March 3rd, 2012, Ralph McQuarrie passed away at the age of 82, uh, but his legacy remains as his designs and concept art continue to find their way into Star Wars, including in the book of Boba Fett. With uh, his uh, Tuscan Raider kind of hut tent design that showed up in that key chapter two of the story. So going back to the beginning, Joseph, Jennifer, what are some of our favorite pieces of Macquarie concept art? These are the things that we've lived with for so long. We saw maybe even we didn't understand what we were seeing. I remember looking at him and going, well, that wasn't in the movie. That's shaped different there. Uh, uh, Jennifer, what do you got for your favorite Macquarie art pieces?
7: I mean it is incredible the impact that Ralph McQuarrie has had on all Star Wars properties and how they continue to pull from his ideas I mean mm-hmm. immediately I th- I think of the the Jawa crawler right mm-hmm. um that one of his uh one of his paintings and how we saw almost an identical shot in The Mandalorian I mean it's just it's incredible um of course I love the cantina painting that he did, yeah. where you see all the creatures, and it's like kind of in the shadows of the "quote unquote" cantina, and you see an alien that looks like Zeb from Star Wars Rebels. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just—he ah, was—he's a, he's a genius, a genius. There's—I mean, of course, the ca- iconic painting of the droids, uh, C3PO and R2D2, yeah, um, which just is like classic sci-fi, but it's also just a beautiful piece of artwork that could be, you know, displayed in any museum. It's just amazing mm-hmm. what he did.
6: Displayed on a living room here. I'll throw a couple out here because I really want Joseph to just take this segment home here. I've uh, always uh, grown up with, uh, uh, just like I said, this weird, wonderful relationship with him where I was so young, I was like, that's not what Chewie looked like. That looks like an alien. Why am I seeing this? And then I started to learn what it was and learn about the process. So Ralph McCory and his art were one of my gateways into behind the scenes stories of Star Wars to understand this is how you make things. And this is how George got these made. Hey, I got this guy. And he made this a reality by showing people what uh, I was trying to uh, get across in my words here. So some of my favorite ones um, actually come a little bit later where I was a little less confused, where it's a little more like, <laughs> hey, that looks like Mark Hamill's face or something. I love a lot of the Hoth stuff. Uh, there's mm. one of the of of uh, his, uh, McCoy's version of the Adat Walkers chasing what becomes a Tauntaun, but it's more like a. a a, a lizard with two big feet and a rebel possibly Luke on it. And, and and the ad, like shooting down and it's missing. And it was just such a action shot. And because I didn't see the movies, I would dream about, well, what would it be like to be on a Tauntaun in that battle facing those walkers? And then all the way in Battlefront two, I finally got to experience it. So, (laughs) (laughs) I love that. There's a shot of looking up at a walker as a speeder uh, goes around with a tow cable and there's flames uh, in the sky behind it. That was the cover of one of the Art of books, early on Art of books. Love that one. And then the final one for me that I've always loved, um, and I have a trading card of it somewhere in a box, is this one of, uh, it's Vader and you know possibly what would be Mafteer Gerard, and then you know the Emperor and the and imperial dignitaries walking away from the the shuttle, uh, imperial shuttle there with a bunch of royal guards around, and they've landed on the Death Star, and it's just this uh, a beautiful shot that is 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 similar to the ones I saw in the movies. So maybe that's why I liked it as a kid, but uh, uh, beautiful in the way it's just this the full might of the empire on display. And this kind of this, uh, you know, stunning, dangerous beauty, almost like Krennic going, Oh, it's so beautiful. Cause it's just so horrible to see, but I've always loved that shot. Uh, and uh, probably why I love the emperor's Royal guards and always get the figures, just all that red on that art. I just loved it.
5: Oh, th- those are some great picks. Um, I- I'm curious for me, the reason that I was even aware of the concept of concept art in specifically these images is because they were included in the trading card set uh particularly for empire strikes oh, yeah. back that they were like you know it would it had the character cards and then it had the the cards that marched through the story and then at the end there were these bonus cards that and i had i'm sure i asked my parents i'm sure my dad was like yeah. uh, it looked like somebody drew some pictures <laughs> but It was like why does it look kind of like them but kind of different but some things look exactly what, what is this and yeah. for me that's just a celebration of you know whoever made that choice um to put this art in front of, you know, kids who just loved the movie and weren't going like, yes, I would like to get a making of book, but right. Yeah. You, you just, you, you bought cards uh, because mm-hmm. you wanted some pictures of Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then uh, this glorious art was back there. Is, is that, how are you both um, exposed to the, the concept art?
6: I, for me, it was some early magazine stuff I got, uh, maybe that Return of the Jedi one. And then later on the cards, because I did collect the tops cards early on, but I don't think I get any three, but I think a little bit later in the late eighties, when I was my big baseball card phase, that's when I picked up some of the art. And that's when I also picked up those books that may have came out in the early nineties. Yeah. yeah. So that's all the cards. Yeah. That seems late in the game, um, but it really isn't. Still, you're still so young. You're still kind of learning how this process goes on. So it was kind of, over time. But I just remember early on, wherever I did see them, I, I, I really, I was really confused. Intrigued. <laughs> 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 Intrigued. Jennifer, where did you first encounter Ralph McQuarrie concept art?
7: Yeah. I, that, I'm remembering magazines too.
8: Mm. But then
7: I I remember looking at books at the bookstore, you know, I couldn't afford to buy them. I was mm. probably like a young teenager or something. And I just think it's so interesting because uh, I mean, for as long as I can remember, now Ralph McQuarrie has been such a, an integral part of Star Wars. Um, and how, gosh, yeah, I mean, I can't even remember. He's just—he's always just been a part of Star Wars. I think <laughs> because I was always so mesmerized by how things could look. Similar to what we saw on screen or, or I just, he was such a visionary and that always struck me. I mean, I think of like the, the cloud city painting, mm, right. And just shit. like the orange and the yellow and just, I was like, wow, he really, you know, George obviously told him is here's my idea, but like he took George's ideas and he brought them to life in a way that just, it was beyond my, my kid and now adult imagination. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah.
5: I think that's what I I love about this whole whole story of Ralph McQuarrie. It obviously every single painting is good. Obviously, some of them he did even you know for other things once the movie was kind of uh, done, and you know he wasn't uh, you know necessarily devising uh, the look. But the the images where you can imagine Lucas saying to someone like, eh, "It's like it's like kind of a city, yeah, <laughs> but it's kind of donut shaped and they're just floating in the clouds," and you are like, "Cool, George, sure." Uh, and then the painting is like, "That's the most." Vivid, beautiful, emotional thing I've ever seen. It makes you feel it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Cloud City is definitely one of my favorites. I think uh, my other favorite is uh, also on Hoth, but it's the one where Luke has crashed in the snow speeder. Mm. The uh, adat is approaching and Luke is large in the foreground and it's just, I go back to my art school days, the, the composition, the energy of Luke's pose, mm. which he's kind of bent over, but he is ready to run either away or toward the adat at His uh, fingers are curled. There's energy everywhere. And it's just, you know, it, it's a star Wars image, but it's almost just this great emotional image of like a, a beast or trouble coming at you. And how are you going to handle it? It's yeah. gorgeous. Mm. That one might be my favorite. Um, and then a uh, final one for me I'm going to shout out because I, I think I've seen it before, but I haven't concentrated on it because it's not one of the most famous. Uh, there's one from the end of Empire Strikes Back where uh, Luke and Leia are looking out the window and the Falcon's taking off, and it's mm. got that great emotion. Uh, but then there are just uh, two Rebels standing around chatting. Like, they just don't <laughs> yes. give a damn about what happened to Han.
6: <laughs> was he even part of the Rebels? No, he, was. he, was. he wasn't. He, he was. They look like they're
5: talking about their brunch plans yes. while Luke and Leia are obviously in pain. Yeah.
6: <laughs> well, there you go. There's our look back at the wonderful life and career and legacy of Ralph McCory, who passed away March 3rd, 2012. And we'll continue to look ahead and back at star wars history on this news show all right we're out of here for today I'll let you know where to where to find us we are on twitter at force center pod we're on instagram youtube as well don't forget uh tentatively planned right now is like pencil or erasable ink on march 11th we're gonna do a live q a on our youtube page there force center, force center is also on uh, facebook at Force Center Podcast. Uh, We're available in a lot of places, including Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Always excited to have new people join on, support, and get into our Discord community. Discuss Star Wars there. Uh, You can find me at Ken or go to kennapsok.com. We always like to uh, shout out uh donation spots or charities things of interest a lot going on in the world like we said we know we know and there's a lot of places to put your energy to uh so without a doubt uh whatever uh, whichever ones we suggest are not uh, saying this is the only one on our minds this week uh for a a lot of stuff going on over in in ukraine uh, it's almost overwhelming with the choices and as always it's tough to you know, vet, make sure you're sending your money to the right spot if that's what you want to do. Uh, I'm going to uh, highlight the Come Back Alive uh, spot, which is SaveLife.IN.UA, And I got that one uh, recommended from the Kiev Independent that I've been following on on Twitter and their website, giving up-to-date, uh, updated information on what's going on over there. So, um Uh, That is uh, uh, one spot. Uh, And also we want to highlight Equality Texas at EqualityTexas.org. This is an ambitious campaign, ambitious campaign, excuse me, focused on increasing pro-equality voter engagement in the upcoming 2022 elections. And it's uh, part of the uh, Turnout for Texas campaign there. More on that, I'm sure. Joseph, uh, uh, what do
4: you have?
5: Yeah, uh, for uh, the thing that I would like to recommend this week is the uh, site Vote Forward. Uh, Their website is votefwd.org. So this is a campaign where you can print out letters that are just encouraging people to vote. And you put in a little personal message uh, of why you choose to vote. It's something that I've done in past elections. They just got their whole system for 2022 set up. And it is uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of letters uh, to write and send by October 29th of this year uh, to convince people to use their power and vote on November 8th. Uh, I do not think that voting is the only uh, 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 tool in our arsenal. I don't think it is the uh, one magic thing that will fix everything. But I think it is a huge power that we have. And I think it's really important uh, to take that Star Wars lesson for me to uh, to uh, use the power that you have. And if you have uh, something that you can control to make a choice and uh, make a good choice. And that's uh, why I use this site is to convince people to just use their power. If you are interested in that, you can check it out at VoteFWD.org.
6: Great as always. And don't forget to uh, follow Joseph at Joseph Scrimshaw and josephscrimshaw.com. I have got to get the rhythm of three people. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, <so>. oh. <laughs> Jennifer, we want to close with you and get you on out of here so you can get on uh, with your day. Uh, we really are so just, we're just thrilled to have you back in the, this capacity. And the Four Center listeners are so thrilled as well. This we know, but probably no one more excited than Joseph and I. Good to have you back. Where can I find you? what do you want to highlight today?
7: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be back. Thank you, Ken Joseph. Oh, this is just this is a real treat and a highlight of my, of my day. Um, today, I'm recommending the nonprofit UNHCR. They are uh, on the ground providing emergency supplies and life-saving care for refugees from Ukraine, Afghanistan, Yemen, and more. Um, and by providing monetary donations, we can help provide these essentials, like including shelter, water, food, safety, and protection. And their website is www.unrefugees.org. You can find me on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Jennifer Landa, TikTok, at Jennifer Landa. Oh, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember my own handle. Is it 1137? (laughs) no it's 11 wait oh my god your TikTok just,
6: i thought that was what it was Gen- 11th. i
7: don't remember yeah. now anyways <laughs> search
6: jennifer Land.
5: <laughs> just you'll
7: find it on instagram ah
5: it's, it's you, been
7: a long week
5: your for, tiktoks for are so good just just google jennifer Land at tiktok and you will
6: be rewarded listeners
7: <laughs> uh, yes thank you thank you and thank you again for having me have more coffee.
6: Absolute pleasure, and thank you all for listening, uh, supporting, and uh, we are happy to have you on here. Whether it's a, a nice, simple uh, routine-like distraction from the real world, or a place to dive into the themes and Star Wars that affect the real world, we enjoy having you all here on this journey. So, for Palpatine, Palpatine, who is uh, most certainly going to be in every show coming forward, we'll see you <laughs> next time. This was Force Center News.